Wow. You know, you wonder, um, how, how can you make that a celebration? How, how can you talk about celebration in a circumstance, in a situation like that? I mean, most of us are wondering, how, how could I even have gotten through that? How do, you, how do you live through that? How do you survive through that? But here's the, here's the thing and the, and the message. Uh, those of us who um, believe in Christ, th- those of us who come uh, each week to celebrate who Jesus is, uh, we believe in one essential fact. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and he lived on this earth and he showed us how to live and then he gave himself on a cross so that we might be forgiven, so the separation that keeps us from God might, that we might be delivered from that and then he rose again in three days and it's because of the resurrection that, that we believe everything else and, and because of the resurrection, we believe that when Jesus said in John 14 that he was going to prepare a place for us that where he is, we may be also, that he really meant it and that he's going to do that and so in spite of that pain, in spite of that sorrow, we are people who have great hope and we celebrate, we don't celebrate because we ignore hard things and and we don't celebrate because we just sort of block those things out of our mind, but we celebrate because those things don't define us, those things don't change us, but we celebrate because Christ has risen and we have life in him and therefore we have hope in him and we are people of hope because we're people of the resurrection. And if you look at scripture, you see that from the Old Testament through the New, it's filled with celebrations. In fact, the, the, in ancient Israel, they had seven different parties. They had seven different festivals or feast times that they celebrated every year. And those feast times would go anywhere for seven to eight days. So they were celebrating something. They were celebrating God's protection for them. They were celebrating the fact that they had been captives and slaves in Egypt and God had delivered them and led them to the promised land. And so they would take a week every year. Well, they would do this seven times. And, and you know, and those of us who are living in 2015, we think about that and we think, how did they ever get anything done? because we don't celebrate things for a week. We don't celebrate things like they do, but they were remembering what God had done, and then they were taking time to give him thanks uh, for what he had done, and then they were taking time to remind themselves that their hope was in God's promises and in who he was. So think about this, I kind of tucked this away that they were people, uh, they were people who remembered, they were people who gave thanks, and they were people who had hope because of who God was. Not in their own abilities, not in in their own strength, but they had hope uh, because of what God had done and because of who he was. And so they blocked out time constantly, regularly in their lives. Not only did they have the seven major feasts or festivals, but they had minor ones that they celebrated. And then every single week, they took 24 hours to stop everything so that they could be together as a family and remember who God was and to give him thanks for what he had done and to proclaim their hope uh, and his continued protection and provision 
for them and they were people who were thankful people. They were people who had hope. Uh, they were people who remembered who God was and, and what he had done. And so often in our lives as we sprint through uh, everything, as we look at people like that and we think, how can anybody possibly get anything done that takes so much time out to have festivals and feasts and parties and all of that? They seem to have gotten a lot done in spite of it, uh, but we can kind of rip through life and, and never take time to be thankful. And then when we crash and when things happen, we're not, we're not, we don't have a deep enough well for it. We're not prepared for it. Uh, it, it runs over us because we haven't taken that time to be reminded. And so as we finish this series this morning uh, called My Near-Death Experiment that we've been doing the last six weeks, uh, we wanna talk this morning about celebration. We wanna talk about how to celebrate because the Bible is filled with celebration and if there's ever been a people uh, that have existed on the earth uh, who should celebrate, who have every reason to celebrate, it's us, not because of us, not because of what we've done, but because of the resurrection, because that Christ, that resurrected Jesus, Christ lives in us and everything that he promised is gonna happen because he's faithful and because the resurrection is true. And so we wanna talk about how we celebrate that this morning. You know, the very first miracle that Jesus ever did he did at a wedding, it's called the wedding in Canaan. And you remember the story, he went to a wedding, Jesus and his disciples, they showed up at a wedding and the celebration was about to come to a grinding halt uh, because they, they, they were running out of wine, it was gonna be a, such a social faux pas. We've talked about this before, that it was such a bad thing that you could actually be sued, you could actually be taken to court uh, for running out of, uh, of resources, running out of wine or food at a, at a celebration because depending on how wealthy you were, these, these um, wedding feasts could go for a whole week and you had to provide for everybody there for the whole time that they were there and Jesus performed his first miracle at a wedding feast, at a wedding celebration. And then there's another story in, in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is walking by a man named Levi and he's a tax collector. And, and you know what we know about tax collectors, they were traitors, uh, they stole from their own people. Uh, they, they, were, uh, they were very wealthy and powerful but they were hated by their own people because they stole from them and, and they were traitors to the, uh, to the Romans against their own people. And here is Levi and he's at his tax table and Jesus walks by and he looks at Levi and he says, I want you to follow me. And the scripture says that Levi left everything, he left his job, he left his money, he left all of that and, 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 he and to follow Jesus and then later he had a party and he invited, and I love the way the scripture says that, it, it says this, he said he invited tax collectors and other sinners, with apologies to anybody that works for the IRS, it's, it's in the Bible, I didn't make this up, he invited tax collectors and other sinners to the party and Jesus went to this party with him. He celebrated with him because one who was lost had been found because Levi, uh, who was a traitor, he was a thief, uh, he, he was a bad guy. Now he had left all of that to follow Jesus and Jesus said, of course I'm gonna come to your party. And it was such a scandal to the religious people. It was such a scandal to people who thought they were already good and, and didn't need anything. It was such a scandal to them that they said, look at him. He celebrates, he parties with people who are sinners with bad people. And you know what Jesus said? Yeah, that's who I came for. Well, there's another story in Luke in the 15th chapter uh, about a boy 
And, and this boy and his brother, they lived with their father, and their father was very successful and he was very wealthy. But the youngest uh, of the two boys one day went to his father and he said, basically, Father, I can't wait for you to die. I want all of my inheritance now. I, I don't wanna wait because I want my freedom now. I want all of my inheritance. I wanna be able to go and do whatever I wanna do. I don't want any restraints. I don't want any rules. And so the story says that his father divided his property. He divided his estate. He gave that son his share and that son took off and it squandered it all. He partied. He did everything that you can imagine to do until his money ran out. And then he found himself at the end of all of that that he was feeding pigs for somebody he didn't even know and he wasn't even allowed to eat that food and he finally came to his senses and he said, my father's servants live better than this. Why am I doing this? And, and so he had this idea, I'm gonna go to my father and I'm gonna say, father, I've sinned against you and, and I don't deserve to be called your son but I, could I just have a job? Could I be one of your servants uh, here on your estate? And, and if you read the story, if you remember the story, it says that the father, he was waiting every day, he was looking for his son and when he saw his son finally coming at a distance, he hiked up his skirt, you know, and he started running and he ran toward his son and when he got to his son, he threw his arms around him and he embraced his boy because he thought he was dead and he's alive. He was lost and now he's found and he took his son home and he found the chief steward, his, his chief servant and he said, I want you to take the fatted calf, the one we've been saving for a celebration and I want you to kill it and we're gonna have a party to end all parties and he invited everybody in the town and everybody around to this celebration because his son who he thought was dead is alive and, and the Bible says that's a picture of who Jesus is, that Jesus says, I'm not holding your sin against you. You've rebelled, you've gone, you've squandered everything I've given you, you've gone your own way, but I love you and I'm gonna forgive you and I'm gonna bring you back in and make you mine. You're my child, you belong to me and let's throw a party for you. And then the Bible tells us that all of those parties are gonna culminate in one really, really, really big one. And we find that in the book of Revelation. In the, in the book of Revelation where the apostle John had this vision and, and he saw what was gonna happen in the end times and he saw heaven. And, and here's what he says in Revelation 19, starting at verse six, he says this, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. So John's using the best language that he knew at the time. He's saying, what's the loudest noise? What's the, the, the strongest noise that I can think of? And he said, if you live by the ocean, if you've ever heard the waves come crashing in and the roar uh, of the waves and then thunder that's just boom, in the sky, that that kind of sound, that overwhelming sound, uh, that's what it was like. And, and I would say, think that we would compare it to this. If in, in 2015, he would say, imagine that you're strapped underneath the belly of a 747 that's going full speed. That's what it would sound like. That's the kind of noise that we're talking about. And here's what the noise was. That great overwhelming noise, he says, was, the, was people. They were shouting hallelujah. Hallelujah comes from two Hebrew words and it literally means 
praise the Lord. So that noise that he was hearing, that thunderous noise, crashing noise that he was hearing like being strapped to the belly of a 747 was people and they were shouting, praise the Lord. That's a picture of this party. That's a picture of this celebration that we have in Revelations 19. Praise the Lord, listen to what they say. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So here's what John is telling us, that someday there's going to be the feast to end all feasts. Someday God is gonna gather his church. And the Bible says that Jesus is the groom and that the church is his bride and we are going to join him. We are going to be with him and there is going to be a celebration that we can't even imagine that that's how the story ends. That's the finish of all of this that we are what the scripture calls the marriage feast of the lamb, the marriage feast of the church when we are with Jesus and there is nothing that we have, there is no language that we have that can describe it the grandeur, the greatness, the joy, the celebration. But he has promised us this Jesus of the resurrection. And remember that if the resurrection is true, all of this is true. And that's how this story ends for us. It ends at this, well, it doesn't end there, but it culminates in this marriage feast. And he says that for the marriage of the lamb has come, his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. All your sins are washed away. They're pure as snow. He says the clothes, the fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saint. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. And John said, and then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So John falls down to this angel and he starts to worship him. He says, don't worship me. I'm just a messenger like you guys. I'm just a messenger like you and the other apostles. Worship God. It's because of Jesus that all of this has happened. And you so see, we are people that who have every reason to have hope. Uh, we are people who need to pause in our lives to remember what God has done. We are people that need to remember what God has done and then give him thanks, to be people of gratitude, people who give thanksgiving for all of God has done. And then we have hope that is because of Jesus. Because of what he's done, we are people of hope. And so we don't celebrate in spite of our circumstances. We don't celebrate in spite of our pain. We celebrate because those things don't define us. Those things don't change us. We celebrate because we know how the story ends. We know what's gonna happen. And it's all because of Christ. It's all because of what he's done. We celebrate. Now, I have to admit that there are times when... uh, me celebrating sort of seems like an oxymoron to people. I tend to be a little bit more on the quiet side, a little bit more on the subdued side, you know, and, and so I'll tell Sherry Campbell, um, you know what, I'm, I'm, I am having a riot in here. I am celebrating, it's just so deep. That it, you don't see it, but I'm going crazy inside. This is so fun. This is a great celebration. That's, that's me. And, and, uh, and, and so, so because of that, uh, we've had to appoint uh, on our team a chairman of celebrating. 
uh, we have a celebration chairman here at North. I'm not sure if you were aware of that, but all things celebration has to go through this person. And so I thought, well, why would I then continue talking about this when the chairman of celebration is actually here this morning? So I'm gonna invite Sherry Campbell to join us on the stage. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Yeah, you, you, you look a little blingy here this morning. Nice, you look good. Yeah, exactly. You are the queen of celebration, the chairman of North Celebrating. Now you know, the word is out. Uh, Sherry Campbell is here. And, um, you know, Sherry, you recently shared with the MOPs, with Mothers of Preschoolers, uh, sort of this whole idea of, uh, of celebration, that topic, and, and um, one of the things that you, that you really focused on was how much you love to celebrate. Um, so talk to us a little bit about what you shared with them. and confession and prayer. Celebration is one more discipline that he asks us um, to follow. And, you know, when he entered the world, he came on a high note of jubilation saying, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And then when he left, he said uh, to my disciples, um, I want you to have joy and have it full. And so celebration is really at the heart of who Jesus Christ is. And when, when you celebrate, that gives joy and then that gives strength. So, um, and in Psalm 119, it says, today, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. That's awesome. So let me ask you a question. What do you do? Actually, this may have never actually happened to you, um, <laughs> but what do you do when you don't feel like celebrating? Well, sometimes I've been here and I've kind of come down here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to my world. <laughs> Just kidding. No, yeah. no. Uh, <laughs> party and why is it always me who has to do this and nobody appreciates me and me again and <laughs> and um, I have to take that to the Lord every morning I have to sit there and confess of uh, you know uh, pride and bitterness um, selfishness self-righteousness and I have to meet with the Lord every morning and take that to him and um, I pray that my focus goes to others and ask that, you know, let my life make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. And then when, when I choose to push through how I feel and focus on others, and then when the occasion is right to step in and celebrate others, and that joy, that joy just comes right back to me and just fires me back up again. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. Well, there were three things I think that we've talked about that you celebrate. Uh, you celebrate uh, who we are in Christ, mm -hmm. we celebrate our family, mm -hmm. and we celebrate each other. Would you talk about those just a um, Yeah, so I have to get my heart right with the Lord. You know, I can't go into the day being selfish and self absorbed. And because what if He wants to use me to celebrate and encourage someone else? So um, immediately I think about my own family, you know, how can I celebrate people in my own home? Well, years ago I learned of a thing uh, that we do in our house, and whenever we are whoever is home, the person who enters the door, we holler, welcome home! <laughs> because, I mean, really, I would like them to throw me a small party, actually. So instead, we holler, welcome home, because really, I mean, you're home. 
Mm-hmm. Praise God, you're home. And so when another when another person comes in the house, we're saying welcome home because you're here. Um, something else that we did uh, one time with my husband and the boys were little. Uh, I knew he was having a meeting nearby where um, we lived, and so it was on Valentine's Day. And so we went there and we decorated his car with red hearts and words, "Hasta, love ya, yeah, baby." And I just got the biggest kick out of picturing my very conservative, quiet husband driving that love machine down the road. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> ah, little notes are lying on the house, on the, on the mirror, on the front door, on the gate as they come in, celebrating the significant things. Ah, it's insignificant. It's Tuesday. Let's get ice cream. Just for fun. Just for no reason at all. So celebrating initially the people in my own home, the big things, the small things. Um, sometimes um, just wearing a goofy hat and a pick up like, Hi, son. Are you picking up? <laughs> just things like that. Um, and then and his therapy's going okay. <laughs> He's yeah. still in therapy. Good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they're going to make it. Okay, good, yeah. <laughs> and then celebrating others. Uh, I mean, wow, this is, I mean, this can take on a whole new level, but you do need to know your audience. I have misfired. <laughs> <laughs> You know, some of us um, who are more celebrate challenged, yeah, we'd celebrate here, deep here. We need people in our lives who 
help us celebrate. You do that for our whole staff, uh, and we do appreciate it. Um, uh, Jenna always did that for our family. I, I remember um, she had these You Are Loved plates, um, and now all the boys in their homes have You Are Loved plates, but she would bring that out for birthdays or for uh, significant events like first soccer game, let's get the You Are Loved, let's celebrate it. You know, first day of school, let's get the You Are Loved plate. Somebody gets that and we celebrate it. You know, first soccer goal in the history of your life, let's get a plate and celebrate, you know. We would celebrate all of those things and she really taught our sons and, and me how to, how to celebrate and it didn't have to be some monumental thing, but it could be just something very simple because we weren't really celebrating the thing, we were celebrating the person and we were finding the excuse to encourage uh, and support. And, and, and so I love that and, and you've done that so well. Um, is there one other thing that comes to mind that didn't go so well or? Oh, there's many. <laughs> <laughs> there's many that didn't go well. Um, I remember inviting um, a bunch of moms over from school one night to my house for a party and I called it Party Like a Rockstar. And I think when they came in the door and I had pink hair and, and strobe lights and rock music, I think it scared them. And, and so I didn't do that again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I can understand that. But then I also learned um, that uh, celebrating just takes a little bit of planning. And if there is just a little food and some item of whimsy or fun or something a little crazy, that helps to just mix up the moment a little bit. It's not so predictable and so mundane. So if there's just a little something that sort of pushes it out there, and the food, um, that helps the celebration go off well. So Food helps me. Food helps you. Helps me celebrate. I thought another misfire, yep. um, that I heard it was a, a girl's birthday at high school. And um, so uh, during the lunch hour, when there's hundreds of kids out on the school grounds, I was all dressed up with, I don't know, crazy pink hair and balloons and costume and, and um, went to her and sang her happy birthday and that was an epic fail. <laughs> because in high school, it is not cool to laugh or look like you're celebrating too much. So that was an epic fail. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But the, the, well it is, it's good for me. See, and that's why I don't celebrate so strong. As, yeah. Uh, so, yes. we celebrate who we are in Christ. Mm -hmm. It begins with that. Mm -hmm. And it's because of who we are in Christ that gives us the freedom to celebrate our family exactly. and to celebrate Others. each other. I'll close with one more quote that I heard in 1997 by Bob Creamy. It says, great occasions for serving God seldom come, but little opportunities to serve him, surround me. And that always encourages me because many times I went the big one, but most of the time, it's just the little ones to step into. That's awesome, that's awesome. Um, well, and thank you for teaching us how to celebrate and being our chairman of celebration around here. You do it well, and we are grateful. Time. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do it Wednesday night sometime. Yeah, six, <laughs> six weeks on a Wednesday night. Okay. Well, Sherry, would you, would you pray for us, please? Sure.